Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And I think that uh, this week's soundtrack is picked by Nick. What do you have for us? I've got the soundtrack to the 1999 film 200 Cigarettes. Yeah! Woo! And uh, this was not a movie that I owned, uh, nor was it a soundtrack that I owned. It's also notoriously difficult to find both the film and the soundtrack. They go for hundreds of dollars on eBay. Can't stream it anywhere. So good luck, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Try to find it. We watched a torrented version with Swedish subtitles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had the DVD. Okay. Um, I tried to dig it up for this episode, but I can't find any of my DVDs these days. But... <laughs> Um, I love this movie, and I love the soundtrack. I mean, this is, I think, an iconic soundtrack to do because of the just sheer number of songs in this movie. Had Caleb seen this movie before? I I definitely seen parts of it. I can't remember if I'd seen the whole thing. It kind of uh, blurs together for me with a lot of, like, uh, Gary Marshall uh, holiday films. Sure, sure, sure. It's definitely... New Year's Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a lot better than that, but uh, definitely in the same uh, the same genre. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, it is a series of vignettes from 1981 New Year's Eve. And it's about love, it's about relationships, it's about real life. And <laughs> but they all kind of come together at one New Year's mm-hmm. Eve party at the end. So, uh, Nikki, let's hear the first track. Let's jump into track one. This is Nick Lowe with Cruel to be Kind. You say your love is bona fide, but that don't coincide with the things that you do. You gotta be cruel to be kind in the right measure. Cruel to be kind, that's the very design. But cruel to be kind means that I love you. Nick Lowe. I think that I've recommended one of his tracks on an earlier episode. Uh, This is definitely his biggest hit. You know, English songwriter in the 80s. He definitely, I think he made a lot of money uh, producing and writing songs for other people. But this was like a big breakthrough hit. Yeah, this is not the first time we've heard Cruel to be Kind, but this is the first time we've heard the original. We heard the Letters to Cleo cover in the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack. Oh, that's right. It's going back a ways. Yeah. yeah. And he took the uh, the title from this uh, for this song, Cruel to be Kind, from, a, uh, from Hamlet. The uh, Shakespeare line was, I must be cruel only to be kind, thus bad begins and worse remains behind. Mm-hmm. This is... Um Shakespeare. (laughs) Ah, away with words, that old William. Uh, um, Yeah, the song is playing um, when we're introduced to uh, Ben Affleck, the cute (laughs) wannabe cocktail bartender. Yeah, very young Ben Affleck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little uh, babyface, little babyface Ben Affleck, and the first introduction to Casey Affleck, I guess, in the big acting world um yeah so this film it takes place i guess um all it all of it takes place in the east village mm-hmm. and it, you know, i guess 1981 um, none of us were alive yet but it seems very familiar to me uh, a lot of like the lower east side kind of dive bar culture uh doesn't seem to have changed that much and it definitely made me nostalgic it's nostalgic but it was also made so it was made in 1999 yeah so it's like a 1999 version version of of a 1981 so you're like 
it's like two levels of disconnected because I lived in the East Village in like 2015. Yeah. So like 16 years after this and I'm like, it's changed a lot since I've been there and they're trying to make it seem like very changed in 1981 times, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's this double layer, but it's all, yeah, it's all the dive bars. Yeah. And I definitely like uh, Ben Affleck's character is familiar to me like the uh the hunky bartender that everybody is trying to screw mm-hmm. and then uh once once like uh first of all he he shouldn't actually get off work until about four or five in the morning yeah, on new year's eve that's yeah <laughs> all but, right you get to go home what is it mid- it's not even midnight get out of here <laughs> new year's eve in new york <laughs> yeah, yeah right I, I think that there's kind of a common uh new york experience when you're in your 20s where uh, you you like get a crush on a bartender and then you get to meet them later and you're like oh oh yeah no <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, you lose the um, the aura outside yeah, the bar <laughs> you know there was um, a comedian that would uh, come through Dallas maybe twice a year and he was always very good with the ladies and his advice to me was um, never leave the comedy club it's like the second you leave the comedy club nobody respects you you're just a normal guy. <laughs> keep it all in the club <laughs> I was like, Ugh. <laughs> new york bartender thing is so weird it's like uh they're like djs for drinks <laughs> <laughs> caleb mentioned that uh nick Lowe produced some music for other artists uh, and one of those artists was uh, elvis costello yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk we about that might later. hear from yeah. a little bit later on the soundtrack but we should uh, maybe jump into the second track let's do it this is blondie with in the flesh Blondie, Debbie Harry. The song kind of has a uh, Phil Spector-esque production to it. Yeah. This it recently is... just passed away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say R.I.P., but he was a complicated figure, as we say. <laughs> Very much uh, so. <laughs> Blondie, so this is off of their first record, which I think a lot of people don't really uh, think about that much. I think they're famous for for being you know part of the Lower East Side punk scene and then having like their, I guess, explosive second record. But this one... Yeah, they did like uh, whoever produced it. It was like on a different label too, and it's like this weird throwback kind of. I think nobody realized that punk was going to be like important or saleable. So it's like these. We like this band. Let's get them in the studio and I guess do some like doo woppy things. Do some soda shop music. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> what like, are the kids into these days? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not a bad album, but it's like it definitely. Uh, it doesn't feel like the Blondie that we know. A little bit of a Blondie trivia for you guys. Debbie Harry was in a folk band uh, before Blondie. Uh, do you guys know what the name of her folk band was? I do not know. Brunetti. <laughs> no? <laughs> You're warm. It was uh, Wind in the Willows, ah. named after the uh, children's book by Kenneth Graham. Yeah, Mr. Toad. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to see... <laughs> We've got to stop eating these cookies, Mr. Toad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, Debbie Harry, you know, came up with that name. She bleached her hair blonde and uh, was getting catcalled all around New York City and decided to go with the name Blondie. Yeah. 
Yeah, she um she's had a foray into acting herself. Um, I she was in the movie Video Drome and a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a pretty interesting uh, role that she plays in that. There's another movie called uh, My Life Without Me, in which she plays the mom. It's a um, Canadian movie with the Spanish director. Great flick. Great flick. Hmm. I'm. I mean, it's uh, this is. Maybe not my favorite Blondie track, but I'm really happy that Blondie's on the soundtrack because mm-hmm. it would be hard to make a movie set in Lower East Side in 1981 and not have... The, technically, I think Blondie should be coming out of every single bar. Yeah, that's true. It should just be like <laughs> Song of the Winter or whatever. Yeah, this yeah. is like the CBGB era yeah. where she got popular. Yeah, I mean, we're going to hear some more from Blondie. We've got a couple more oh, tracks. That's, that's true. That's uh, true. She, she's pretty... Like They, they do her justice. <laughs> in I think they play about four of her songs. Yeah, I don't know what so. I was thinking. Yeah, there's a shit ton of Blondie. Anyways, it's a, it's a long soundtrack. Let's keep going. Let's get into track number three. This is The Cars with Just What I Needed. Classic, classic. R.I.P. to uh, Rico Kasich, who uh, passed away in 2019, singer of the Cars. Uh, I know, such a loss. I do have some good news, actually, that uh, it's been discovered that Bob Seger is actually still alive. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. We have a correction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is issued in our correction. It's a little bit of breaking news. We don't <laughs> need to put the music sting in, but... Uh, <laughs> Bob Seger lives! <laughs> Bob Seger lives. Get uh, <laughs> killed, silver bullet! <laughs> Something um, I noticed in this song that I hadn't caught before was uh, the opening riff to Just What I Needed is uh, completely stolen from the uh, Ohio Express song, Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. <laughs> Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, uh, yeah, go listen to that song. Pretty wild. Love in my tummy. And uh, you might remember Just What I Needed. It was used as uh, Circuit City's slogan for uh, for many years. <laughs> You know, the commercials, like some mom comes in and she's like, I need a digital camera now. Yeah. And this song kicks in. Ah, R.I.P. Circuit City. That's right. What <laughs> happened to Circuit City? No, I think Circuit City is still there. Corrections. Yeah. The Cars, I think we can safely say the best band ever come out of Boston. Um, the Cars rule. I have a hook line saying Cars rule. Yeah. Car- cars Car- rule. Cars are awesome. Um, <laughs> this is playing when uh, we got, you know, some of the characters, Paul Rudd and Courtney Love who are sort of these, like, friends, but maybe more. And uh, Courtney Love is basically passed out on the bar, and it's, like, 9 o'clock. And uh, (laughs) the way this movie sort of works is that it takes place in several locations, and all these characters sort of, like, orbit around each other. And so at one point, almost half the cast is at a certain bar, and then they'll end up in another part of the city. So, um, yeah, we'll see these characters again and again. I thought Courtney Love was really good in this movie. Yeah. I thought that... Uh, Paul Rudd is a an actor and person that I like quite a bit. Uh, this might have been my least favorite Paul Rudd appearance I've seen in anything. This is, oh, come this on. is his uh, maybe you know most unhinged Paul Rudd, <laughs> really? which is still kind of tame. I feel so. This was 1999. He's got the sideburns, <laughs> the sideburns, the peacoat with the scarf look, like the floor length peacoat with the scarf and boots. That was a look for a decade after that like so many like hey, i write in a notebook in a bar 
I'm different. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm jaded. <laughs> emotions. Yeah, I have emotions. Like, oh, that was, I think that ruined some uh, some young men seeing what the, like, hey, if I dress like that, I get to sleep with Corny Love, right? That's how it works. I'll badger my friends into sex. You know? Another uh, random tidbit I found out about uh, just what I needed uh, was that Rick Ocasek I guess the song wasn't really in his uh, vocal range, and he had the bass player Ben Orr actually sing lead vocals on that track. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, they they like uh, switched vocals from time to time. I think the their big uh, '80s hit uh, is it called Drive? Boom. Oh yeah, it's a great track. Wait, moving in stereo? Is that no, what you're no? About? There's the one. It's like very kind of uh, like soft rock. Like it takes you a while to even realize that it's a Doors. Oh, or, sorry, the Cars. Who's gonna drive you? Yeah, yeah. That's that's not Ocasek. Yeah. That's the bass player. Which yeah. is uh, pretty generous of Rick Ocasek. A lot of lead singers wouldn't uh, really give up that duty to yeah. a. Uh, a basis. basis. <laughs> yeah. Just write a new song. Yeah. Just throw it in the dirt. <laughs> throw it in the garbage. Yeah. You will never touch a mic. Yeah. Congratulations to Ben Orr for uh, singing vocals on that song. You guys want to get into track number four? Let's do it. This is Harvey Danger with Save It For Later. Two dozen other stupid reasons Why we should suffer for this Don't bother trying We've got our first cover. Our first cover, and it's not bad. It's like maybe a little bit unnecessary, especially for a film that's set in the 80s. It's a little bit of uh, anachronistic to have a <laughs> 90s cover yeah. of an 80s hit. But it, it, it fits right in because it's pretty faithful. But that's a, a beat, English beat, British beat. English beat, yeah. And Harvey Danger was a band that started uh, in Seattle in the early 90s. So, you know... It's kind of interesting to hear a band that was like at the epicenter of grunge and maybe kind of veered off a little bit and did something different. Yeah, some of you might recognize the song uh, Harvey Danger's uh, Flagpole Sitta. Oh, yeah. That was their biggest one. Yeah, we had that on a soundtrack not that long Paranoia, ago. paranoia. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I like this. Yeah. Um, I will say this movie has music at almost every point uh which is cool i mean like yeah. it's it's an awesome i mean you want this to be like a three disc soundtrack because i think there's about uh 50 songs that are playing this movie I yeah mean, it's kind of like you're listening to an album and there just so happens to be a movie it's like know? a it's apropos in that sense they're constantly going in and out of bars and parties that mm-hmm. there's just music like playing everywhere but there's very rarely is one song treated any differently than any other song, and it's pretty droney. And like, uh, like we, I was paying attention to the music because we do a podcast where we review soundtracks, and uh, I could, I was like, I kept losing track, and it could have been one song playing through the entire fucking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it's like when you think of um, kind of like the there's moments in films that stick in your head forever and you'll never be able to like think of that scene or that song without like 
uh, without the associations created by both of them together, and that's kind of like a movie magic thing. Yeah. And that in no way happens in this film. Yeah, you'd think they could have used half the songs for twice as long. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and easily stretched them out a little bit longer. But um, we we've talked about maybe that's one of the reasons why you can't stream this movie or anything is because they use so many. You can't songs. rent it on iTunes. You can't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that it, I think it was produced by MTV, at least in part. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was some sort of like, you know, we've got all these music licenses. What do we do with it? Or I don't know. Some, some Something strange happened. Um, I do want to say, so this is a film that's written by a woman and directed by another woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it benefits a film. I think you can tell that there's a lot of like uh, broad but fully realized female characters that are not just you know, existing because of male characters around them. Like the male yeah. characters are kind of, uh, a lot of them are a lot more pathetic than the female characters, which mm-hmm. is refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scottish, <laughs> Scottish guy who's horrible at sex. <laughs> Scottish guy can't fuck. And you think he's going to be redeemed, but then nope. <laughs> he has sex in the movie and then she's like, it was bad. <laughs> and then there's Jay Moore, the guy who like, you kind of like, seems like a normal guy. And then by then you're like, oh no. No, he's a villain. It, it's it's a great movie in that everyone is kind of a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, ah, that was that's just New York. This is very New Yorky that like, oh my gosh, this bartender's kinda cute. Like I bet he's a cool person and it's like, no, nope, that guy's terrible and like um you know, the person throwing the Martha Plimpton who's throwing the party, like she's just a, a neurotic mess then <laughs> like, you know. I thought the uh, use of Save It For Later was uh, a wise choice as well because uh, the original songwriter, uh, Dave Wakeling, wrote the song about trying to find your place in the world. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, when you're young are trying to give you advice about what you should do. And it's about kind of ignoring that because people don't always seem like they know if they actually know any better. So it's kind of about keep your advice to yourself, save it for later. Yeah, man. Everyone loves to give advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I, just, I take a lot to heart sometimes, and I, like, think about it on the way home or something. Like, <laughs> that person does not have their life together. <laughs> like, wow. <would> exactly. <laughs> Save it for later, my yeah, friend. Really, yeah. uh, I want to remind everybody to, like, like and review on iTunes. <laughs> Let us know what you think of the podcast. Shameless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys want to hear track five? Please. Let's do it. This is Go Go's with Our Lips Are Sealed. This is um, this is definitely falls for me in there's a collection of especially 80s pop hits that I kind of uh, intellectually consider to be too kitschy to really enjoy. Or I never think about like putting the record on. I think mm-hmm. I have a copy of this album. Uh, but then whenever you hear it, you're just like, this was produced really well. This is actually a really good song. This yeah. is their first hit. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge hit. They were like, you know, not quite a one hit wonder, I think vacation all they ever wanted <laughs> you don't, you don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. that song's kitschy <laughs> you think that song's kitschy uh but it didn't didn't hurt the what is it belinda carlisle a mm-hmm. bunch of uh stone cold foxes this was a uh, song that jane weedland uh, co-wrote with terry hall the uh singer of the specials 
after they had come to see the Go-Go's perform at the Whiskey. And uh, they also performed this song on uh, November 14th, 1981, uh, SNL. And it was the era of SNL where uh, there were sometimes two musical guests in an episode. And they performed alongside uh, Billy Joel for this episode. (laughs) This is when Lauren Michaels was not there. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's kind of, uh, it's definitely something that disappeared in the 90s. I don't think I ever remember seeing an episode with uh, two musical guests. Early 80s. SNL was really bad. Okay. That's when they, they had to like hire Billy Crystal and like actual uh-huh. people like Christopher Guest came on for a bit because they were really scrambling. There's been a bunch of weird, there was like the Robert Downey Jr. era, mm-hmm. Janine Garofalo, would you say? Yeah. In the film. Who's in the film as uh, Paul Rudd's ex mm-hmm. um, and her own person, uh, I should say. <laughs> Uh, Shayna Larson is the, the woman who wrote this and I, w- I was like oh this is a great screenplay I'm going to see what else she wrote it's, yeah, oh, yeah. it's the only thing oh, she's wow. done which is crazy Yeah, and I kind of love those like one hit wonder like screenwriters you're like oh man like the guy who yeah, wrote well, uh, I think the problem is that it wasn't much of a hit uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a cult stat I mean it, maybe it would be more of a cult classic if anybody could fucking watch the thing but Currently sitting at a twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a bad tomato, but uh, I think that every any time I mentioned it to somebody, they were excited to hear about it. I love this movie. I think it's great. I I think there's a few things. Everything sort of comes together in the end. You know, I think to be a little bit more real. I don't think everyone finds a lover. There's a few people that um, end up sort of alone. But um, I think to be more real, it should have like had a bit more heartbreak and like, <laughs> yeah, you could have had like Jay Moore like walking home alone and like. But he has even worse fate. <laughs> yeah, even worse situation. Yeah, I think it definitely does. Even though it's it's a comic take, this is a very apt take on uh, New Year's Eve in New York City, yeah. and it even had some of like. Uh, the taxi violence of New York New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, mm. For you millennials out there, there was a time pre-Uber, <laughs> if you live in New York, you would have to, you would get in like a fist fight over getting into a cab with yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. And there were some cabs would, uh, they would do their own little uh, surge pricing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 90 bucks take it or leave it and you're like what do I I have no recourse in this situation. <laughs> like isn't this illegal? Get out! Get out! <laughs> Yeah. Also, if you're uh, if you're a fan of that, uh, our lips are sealed track by the Go Go's. You may also be a fan of uh, the Hillary and Haley Duff version of that song that they covered for a Cinderella story. Oh yes. yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if uh, <laughs> the fandoms overlap that much. To be honest, pretty wild. <laughs> you guys want to hear track number six? Let's do it. This is Bow Wow Wow with I Want Candy.
Speaking of uh, teen pop stars covering songs on this soundtrack, <laughs> this uh, this song was covered by a teen pop star whose life has uh, recently spiraled completely out of control. Uh, now, check out his Instagram. He's doing fine. Do you guys have any guesses? <laughs> it's Aaron Carter. It's Aaron Carter. <laughs> Off of uh, Aaron Carter's album, Aaron's Party, Come Get It, mm-hmm. from the year 2000. Yeah, this is when he was still, you know, had a, b- a bright future ahead of him. <laughs> what happened to Aaron Carter exactly? Oh. Oh man, I mean, I was uh, famously I had an iconic um, <laughs> uh, Halloween costume that was Aaron Carter. Uh, he got some interesting famously. face tattoos, multiple in one night, which is always a great idea. <laughs> you know, really do up the entire face in one night. Um, I, <sighs> drugs. <laughs> short drugs. answer drugs short yeah. answer drugs yeah his brother uh, Ta- nick carter has a restraining order against him yeah he was like tagging him on uh he was like at fbi on instagram and he was like nick carter is like a, a rapist or something like he's calling out his own brother and like yeah well, dude i was like uh like both of you i recently watched the bg's documentary on hbo there's kind of like a special burden on the pop stars like little brother of other pop stars mm-hmm. and it's like uh it always seems to go pretty poorly in the end yeah i mean even if you do bestow a few hits to their name then it goes to their head and yeah, they're like i'm better than you it's just bad handling uh <laughs> i should say that this is actually also a cover of it's uh i think the strange loves in strange the early Love. 60s had a I did the song originally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had trouble finding what the song is actually about. I, I read one account that, uh, you know, it's based off of the uh, the novel Candy. It also might be based off this uh, woman named Candy who was a um, dancer extra in a lot of, like, uh, 60s beach movies. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I mean, it's, you know. Or heroin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The strange loves were not singing about it. I, th- I, yeah. I, I chalk it up to like, it was the 60s. Like, remember that Always Sunny in Philadelphia? is like, we're the pecan sandies. Like, what does that mean? You know, it's a sexual thing. <laughs> it's just like, I want candy. You know what it means, kids. <laughs> no, huh? dude, the, the strange loves are like, uh, they kind of remind me of like the Beach Boys before yeah. they got interesting, where it's like, they're all kind of like in suits and yeah, yeah playing on the beach and have the same hair yes it's like one of they're essentially like a like a manufactured boy band type of although maybe they're all family or some shit uh i love this version though yeah, i think yeah. bow wow wow was actually also a bit manufactured they were malcolm put, mclaren malcolm mclaren who you may remember is responsible for assembling the sex pistols yeah yeah and then uh i think most of the band he just poached from Adam Ant's band, and that's why the drums sound yeah, like awesome. Especially, <laughs> he's like, trying to exactly like the same as know, Adam Ant's drums. Pick a song for this band to play, and like this is his bright idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess if I was in that band, I would be a little like I don't know if we want to do this song, but well, this one was their bit, first. They like put out a, a couple. Chat. They put yeah, out a couple chat. things that didn't really go anywhere, and then I think yeah, they just like cut this on a lark, and it became like a big hit and kind of launched them. Yeah, and it's it's got a great music video too. It's one of those like '80s ones where it's like colorized with the weird like neon stuff, and she's on the beach, and she's uh, the the lead singer is very attractive. And yeah, I think she was like 13 when McLaurin uh, recruited her. Oh, that was at Annabelle Elwin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old she was when this song came. Like she, I said, she I think was, that was she was 14, and she was working at a dry cleaner. Okay, and he uh, said. <laughs> You're going to be a star. <laughs> God, we, we got an edit button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and I guess when he pitched them that song too, like, you know, he himself, he didn't even remember the lyrics and they were having trouble tracking down the song, obviously, you know, <laughs> this is a long time ago. <laughs> so he managed to get a hold of uh, the original songwriter and the uh, songwriter sang him the song over the phone, which he recorded <laughs> and then went and taught it to Bow Wow Wow. Oh, whoa, that's insane. Yeah, I got him on the phone. Just just say it and we'll record. <laughs> like if you're pitching a song and the band's like, okay, well, like how does it go? And you say, mm, I'm not really sure. Oh, geez, something about, I know it's, I want candy. candy. Got that part. I got it. It's insane. I'm, I'm going to go back. In Chris's defense, there was one of their album covers. It's a take on the, the Edouard Manet, like Luncheon on the Grass. Mm-hmm. And the lead singer is naked like uh like posing and the rest of the band are just sitting around in clothes yeah it's not my fault yeah it's not my fault <laughs> i just saying, dude, the 80s were crazy yeah. nobody <laughs> nobody thinks about what was going on with these fucking music people yeah oh, man um yeah the wake of destruction that i want candy is done on young <laughs> careers it's extensive this is a great cover though. Yeah, it's great a great cover. cover love the song it's it's playing over the opening credits and um it just you realize how many people are in this movie you know you're like oh my yeah. god there's like 15 principals in this people you haven't talked about uh gabby hoffman christina ricci uh play a, a prominent role in this dave chappelle uh, dave chappelle yeah. kate hudson who we should say dave chappelle uh just this week got diagnosed with covid oh, who like probably got it from grimes oh, i would I, I wish them both a recovery <laughs> i like but, yeah, I, mean. I, I like both of them as artists but uh it's hard to have sympathy for people when they're posting on social media they're just like living this like life outside well i have like, no sympathy happening. for for grimes fucking joe rogan and yeah, elon yeah. musk claire boucher uh, who is grimes you know she tweeted that she's uh, really enjoying having covid yeah which you know clearly pissed off a lot of her fans and, and a lot of people that uh, also weren't her fans but you know in the wake of you know thousands of people dying I mean, uh, she's uh quote unquote enjoying having the disease she always has lived on a different planet and i can't imagine what mar- being married to the richest human being uh in america they might is move to mars now. they should they should, they should. <laughs> it probably gives um, get your ass to mars <laughs> i would say it's a false impression but i'm sure it's not false there's impression i think with these people that they're going to survive anything because you know there's there's like money yeah there's like that that like diamond treatment that yeah. seems to cure every famous person of covid uh, didn't work for Larry. <laughs> oh, wow. sorry. Yeah, all right. Too soon. Uh, I, I hope I hope that Chappelle recovers quickly. But uh, to to be fair, I haven't seen him without a cigarette in like fucking twenty years. Yeah, that'll take us right into <laughs> track number seven. This is "I Don't Care" by the Ramones. Yeah, this is actually a cut that didn't make it onto their debut album, which is uh, kind of crazy considering that they cut that entire record in like seven days for like $6,000. And apparently there was like four or five songs that didn't make it on. <laughs> Little did they know they would become uh, probably one of the biggest bands in the uh, band t-shirt zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I saw a Twitter photo. This was from a few years ago, but uh, it popped up this week. It was a, a, a tweet by Kendall Jenner. This was a tweet from like 9.30 in the morning for some reason. <laughs> but it said like, I have no idea how people can listen to heavy metal music, you know, with like the monkey emoji covering his ears. And like the photo that someone posted right underneath is of her wearing a Slayer t-shirt <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Which uh, I kind of want to get y'all's opinion on. How do you feel about people wearing uh, t-shirts of bands that they, you know, have no idea I mean, it's come full circle. It's tacky. It's very tacky. You think it's tacky? I think it's tacky. Well, I feel like there was definitely... (laughs) I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, you like the Ramones? Name every Ramones (laughs) song ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... (laughs) Which has been like... that. Even now, that is like being overplayed. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, part of me feels that way, but I also feel like maybe who cares at this point? Because a lot of the shirts like Joy Division and uh, Metallica that you see around are you know, essentially fashion accessories these days. I think that there's a little bit of an intellectual responsibility to at least give a once over if you're going to wear it around. Yeah. That's all I ask. You don't have to be like, this is my favorite band. It's like, I have some, you know, I have some t-shirts that have bands that I like, but don't love. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I have a question for you. What do you, if you were going to rank like the overrepresented as far as like, the t-shirts that are very popular as opposed to like, I feel like Ramones is like very popular, but people, a lot of people have listened to Ramones. I feel like Metallica. I think that the misfits are probably number one mm-hmm. misfits as far as I don't think that many people actually listen. Any. Van Halen is another big one. I think ACDC. Like, ACDC. I feel like I've seen it and I hate to, to sound like this, but uh, I feel like a lot of like influencery women wear like, ACDC, Metallica, Aerosmith shirts. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think you've listened to those bands. <laughs> Actually, I think I might correct myself. I think probably the band that sold the most t-shirts is probably Kiss. Mm. But, you know, they've also got action figures and all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, uh, know. you know, I would say uh, stop wearing shirts of bands you don't listen to. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think you have to be a huge fan of a band to own the t-shirt, but you got to be familiar. Maybe I'm being defensive because I'm guilty of this. <laughs> uh, I I wore a Kenny Rogers shirt for a long time. Rest <laughs> in peace. How did I that work out? I wasn't the biggest Kenny Rogers fan. I did get a, oh, can you name, can you name every Kenny Rogers song ever? <laughs> I got that like twice. <laughs> um, I bought that shirt for the shirt that Kenny Rogers is wearing on the shirt. Okay. Because he is wearing a polka dotted button down. <laughs> and you're like, you knew you were taking photos of this. So, anyway. Um, yeah, now that I think of it, I have like a Surfer Blood shirt that uh, I wear a lot because it's it's a take on the Joy Division shirt, but with like shark fins. Yeah, you do wear that a lot. Yeah, and I'm not like huge <laughs> in the Surfer Blood. I like them all right. Name five albums. <laughs> oh, you like music? <laughs> Name every song ever. <laughs> <laughs> the song is playing in... I, I thought it was a bar, but I think it was like a biker's home or something, or like somebody's basement party. And this is uh, sort of when Christina Ricci has started hooking up with Casey Affleck and then switches to uh, his name Scarface in Half-Baked, yeah. when he's got the pink hair. Um, and then Gabby Hoffman's like, 
this is crazy. I just want to go back to Ronkonkomo. <laughs> Whatever. And Casey Affleck's got the what, brick of heroin. <laughs> you never really get. find out. We, we, we never know what it is. Yeah. We never see Tony. Uh, but Casey Affleck has to deliver a package to somebody. I think he ends up like leaving it at the party. I think uh, mm. they find when she's cleaning up, she's like, "What is this <laughs> brick of heroin?" <laughs> brick of heroin. <laughs> I think it is heroin. Yeah, uh, I do like one of the. I think that there's a bit of geographical accuracy in that these uh, these poor Long Island girls keep like drifting further and further into Alphabet City, mm-hmm. and it just keeps getting sketchier and sketchier. Yeah, uh, one of Kelsey's friends, she used to live on Avenue B. Uh, shout out to Jenny. <laughs> she was saying like what the Avenue B stands for is what, uh, how was it? Is that beware? What is it? Alcohol, blow, cocaine, death. ABCD. Yeah, ABCD. What does A stand for? What yeah, it's probably a- alcohol, amphetamine. blow, cocaine, amphetamines, blow, <laughs> cocaine, death. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> what are we, the, we're now like almost 40 years after this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still not great some of these places. <laughs> <laughs> Avenue D. <laughs> I think maybe they did change the street signs for some of the filming because uh, in, in one scene they're at, uh, I think, Avenue B and 9th Street, which mm-hmm. would be by Tompkins Square Park, and they are clearly not by Tompkins Square Park on B and 9th. Hmm. They go to the gym spa at one point, oh, yeah. which I think finally shut down. It just did close. Yeah. yeah rest in peace. Rest in peace. Patty Smith mentioned it's the best egg cream you can ever get. Like, I used to live right next to there, and I did pop in and get an egg cream once. I was like, does anyone order those anymore? And they're like, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I was like, it's good. And they're like, we know. <laughs> like, All right. It's just like, I'll have a strawberry phosphate, please. <laughs> and a sarsaparilla. <laughs> just like an old like, thing that no one ever orders anymore. Oh, rest in peace, Gem Spa. Do you guys want to jump into track number eight? Let's do it. This is Girls Against Boys with Boogie Wonderland. All right, we've got our third cover. It's interesting. It's not terrible. How do you guys feel about this cover? I mean, compared to the original by uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire and The Temptations, which is just such a jam, uh, I'm not feeling great about this cover. Well, to be honest. In defense, like, you're not going to get a better version of the actual song than Earth, Wind, and Fire did. True. And so... To do it in a completely different genre, I feel like, is the only way you can attempt a cover. Maybe you like the uh, Britney Murphy cover of the song she did for the uh, Happy Feet soundtrack. Mm. Maybe I don't. (laughs) I mean, if I'm trying to put myself, if I was a 1981 punk and I heard the live house band playing, such as this... uh, Yeah, this is like the Alphabet City... uh, Punk band. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be into this. And if you can bring... You know, if this band can bring this Earth, Wind, Fire song to a whole new generation of young men and women, I agree with it. That's all right with it. This is a, I should say, Girls Against Boys are, I know it's like at least one person from Fugazi, maybe two. It's like a 
little bit of a post-hardcore DC band. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about DC and hardcore. I feel like DC is just like angry people in basements, but uh, this is like a, a rare band with two bass players, which I kind of respect. <laughs> total <laughs> spinal tap. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we think the punk scene was in, um, you know, in the before times in New York City? Or is punk dead in New York? Um, so I was trying to think of like, I was like, oh, this club would be like, I don't know, like Duff's in Brooklyn or before, something. Before uh, Shea Stadium closed, uh, Shea Stadium, the uh, DIY venue, uh, there were yeah. still punk shows going on I mean, there. DBA had some punk shows back in the day, but that was again like five, six years ago yeah, when they closed been, it down. It's been dead for a while. Trash Bar. So, trash Bar used to have a good yeah. punk scene, but that's now like a... <laughs> it's like, uh, a boxing, an boxing gym. Yeah. Does like St. Vitus have any? They're like a metal place, but I feel like Punk Axe can probably get on stage there. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Same bouncers. How about Ska? <laughs> uh, ska, is, ska will never die. We know that. Got that <laughs> ska in look Queens. in your eyes, Chris. <laughs> it's got to be like a Queens bar. Well, you just need more space because those uh, you need to have a s- stage for at least 11 uh, people in a brass section. Right, and doing the kicking. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> room for all those dreadlocks. <laughs> and the swing dancing. You need a lot of... The trombone player has oh, to be able God. to do the kicks. It's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> That's why it works in the Pacific Northwest. There's space for miles. That's California thing. Yeah. That book Boogie Wonderland song for some reason has been used in a lot of movies as well. That was in Roller Boogie, which I have not seen. It was also in Madagascar and uh, Billy and Mandy's Big Boogie Adventure. Are we, talking, are we talking about the original version? Or are we talking about this version? We're talking about covers oh, of okay. the original. Oh, yeah, okay. It was in Caddyshack and uh, it was also in the French film The Intouchables. Hmm. Intouchables. The Intouchables. But yeah. Um, Girls Against Boys, they're they're playing through kind of a decent chunk of this movie, and then there's like maybe mm. two or three songs of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the house band, yeah. as I as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Good energy, good energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that whole that punk bar looked pretty cool. They yeah, found yeah. some great extras, a lot of mohawks, a lot of uh, different style. There's like a dude with a top hat, and you're like, <laughs> I always love like there's like a punk guy that's like a little on the fringe, like. He's a little steampunk. He's a little yeah, before yeah. his time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he fits in. That bar, there's a later bar that legitimately looks like pretty sketchy. Or we don't even, we're not sure if it's an actual bar. But uh, this bar is supposed to be kind of scary, but it looks like pretty fun. I think I would enjoy that bar. Yeah, I think this was uh, uh, Satan's Pit. Yes. Was the name of this oh, bar. Yeah. Satan's, Satan's Pit. pit. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. But yeah, Casey Affleck and Scarface's stomping grounds. <laughs> With that eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. Casey Affleck looks great in this. I, mean, I know he's, he does corner two women in an alley, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of in line with his MO, I guess. But, um, yeah. You guys want to hear track number nine? Let's do it. This is Cool in the Gang with Ladies Night. We haven't talked about this song for almost a month. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. Heard it on the Undercover Brothers soundtrack. Yeah. Connection to Dave Chappelle, who we hear it in his little, like, 
whatever kind of cab operation he's running in this movie. It's like Gypsy Cab. He just, uh, he's not receiving payment. People, so many people in this movie just like leave the cab and don't pay because they admit that they've lost their wallet or like try to pay him in like a, a phone number or something. So there's a chance that he's just like cruising in this cab <laughs> and it's all, you know, velvet in the inside or suede or something like that. We've also got the uh, return of James J.T. Taylor here on this track. We've I talked know. about him in a previous episode. This was uh, the era where Cool and the Gang enlisted the help of a, a Brazilian producer named Emir Deodato. And Deodato has some amazing solo work of his own. But uh, he helped Cool and the Gang kind of reestablish themselves and gave them this identifiable lead vocalist in James J.T. Taylor. Not sure what the JT stands for. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, Jonathan. Yeah, James right. Jonathan yeah, Taylor Taylor. Was, James, James Taylor Taylor. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. this was their uh, first platinum album after he, uh, you know, helped put this together for them. It's a great, like we were talking earlier about the Cars track, about how it was uh, used in all the Circuit City commercials. And my relationship was so much, uh, God, I don't even want to say classic rock, but like uh, big, you know, hits of the 70s and 80s has been tainted for years for like associations and it's all like uh you know like honda days ads and and like it's very broad you know like uh brawny towels will have like a cool in the gang song or something yeah, like, and it's oh, like celebrate <laughs> yeah and i think it like ruined it like ruined a lot of music for me for a long time until kind of network television died off as far as uh as my experience like i just don't see that many commercials anymore Mm-hmm. And so now I can kind of, I'm finally getting back to be able to like listen to music without some like cheesy associations. Uh, this song seems like it was written for a commercial and yet it's still really, really good. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. I think we talked about it recently. I still like it. <laughs> yeah. We've heard it in the, uh, the wedding singer soundtrack as well. I mm-hmm. always think of John Lovitz, who was the oh, alternate the wedding DJ. <laughs> like sophisticated mama. Yes. <laughs> super creepy <laughs> um and again uh there's a public access dance where like a teenage girl is dancing for the entirety of ladies night called like chilmeski <laughs> time on like some like <laughs> like midwestern public access and she's just kicking ass with a weird dance on public access tv <laughs> so good i'll find it i'll post the link how are you guys uh, feeling about this soundtrack? It looks like we're uh, coming up on a break. I'm having a great time. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. Uh, after the break, I put together a game for you guys. Uh, another round of Supergroup, so stay tuned for that. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to add another track to the Tracklisting Spotify playlist, uh, our favorite smoking song. Smoking. Oh, there we go. <laughs> smoking. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Stick with us. Thank you to everyone for listening to Track Listing Podcast. It's 2021. We got a lot of great soundtracks for you guys. You can also find us on a variety of social media platforms. Oh, you sure can, Nick. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can reach out at, at Tracklisting Podcast. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on Twitter <laughs> at Tracklisting Pod. Tell your friends, tell your family about Tracklisting Podcast. And we sure would appreciate it if you would rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on chess.com at Tracklisting Podcast or Reddit.com at Tracklisting Podcast. And now back to the episode. Back to the episode.
Welcome back to the soundtrack to 200 Cigarettes. But before we get back to the soundtrack, we have a game prepared by Caleb Brown. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, this week I put together th- only three rounds of Supergroup. This is a long soundtrack. I didn't want to uh, really drag it out and torture you guys. But uh, So three rounds. These are in sequence. So if you guys... Uh, I tried to make these like reasonably easy. Uh, you guys might get them really quickly. But if you do get them quickly then uh, go ahead and try to predict the next one. So basically, uh, for new listeners, the way this works, it's a sequence of four clues. One leads into the other, and uh, you're trying to guess, at least you're trying to guess the fourth clue. Mm -hmm. Um, So four clues connected by something, but they are... Something in common, sometimes to do with artists, sometimes to do with songs, sometimes uh, something else. Mm -hmm. But let's hear clue one to round one. On a morning from a bullgut moon where they turn by time. You go strolling through the crowd like Pete are the cat. It's Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Al Stewart, Year of the Cat. So is that okay, I just uh preliminary guessing here. Is this going to be Chinese Ye- years? I don't know what comes after like cat, pig, rat, dragon. Years, months, weeks, days. Okay. Perhaps. These are good thoughts. Let's let's hear clue number two. Let's hear clue two. That's Bone Thugs in Harmony. Any idea on the... Is Any the, idea on the song? What's the um, first of the month? I think that's first of the month. That's when the government money comes in. First of the month, uh, Shana, wake up, wake uh-huh, up. Uh-huh. You looked at me like I was that insane. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> was like glitch Nick in the matrix. Like, uh, and I was like, do I need to extrapolate? Yeah. That was, uh, first of was the okay, month. So it sounds like maybe you guys, uh, do you guys have any idea of what's happening so far? I think uh, we're going down in from years to months which, to weeks to days. All right, so there's two clues left. So uh, give a give a guess what the next clue might be before we play it. It's man. <laughs> Bare naked be ladies. One, one week. week. All right, let's hear clue number three. Files with no lights on. All right, good job, guys. Uh, you're getting nice and warmed up, but there is one last clue. Can you guys? What What, what is your guess for clue four? For day. I mean, we we blew right past score and Fortnite. Um, I guess those are good day sunshine. <laughs> um, today was a good day. A day in the life. Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. I think today was a good day. Today Maybe. was a good day. All right, let's hear clue four. Good job, guys. And uh, I was worried that maybe one of us had used that sequence before, but I don't think we have. So I, I did so. own that Bare Naked Ladies uh, album that was Stunt. It was one week off <laughs> oh, of Stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great song. Love the Bare Naked Ladies. All right, you guys are all warmed so up. You're day feeling cocky. By the Beatles, Look probably. at you guys. Uh, round two, let's hear the first clue. Here's glue one. She had to leave. 
I don't think I have anything on that one. Sounds like a good track, though. I love that song. I know that song. Like Susie and the Banshees. Do you guys want to like B-52s? Do you guys want to listen yeah. to it one more time, or do you want to move on to the second clue? Let's let's move on, and maybe we come back to it. All right, let's hear clue two. Nothing changes on New Year's Day. On New Year's Day. Alright, so maybe something to do with the artist. If uh, Clue 1 was B-52s and for Clue 2 we heard U2. Yeah, it was U2, New Year's Day. Uh, maybe that previous song might have had to be, like, it could have been like chronological again if it was mm-hmm. like New Year's Eve or something, New Year's Day. And then uh-huh, uh-huh. If we have like, I don't know, MLK Day next. Or mm-hmm. All right, well, let's three. hear Clue 3 and see if you guys get anywhere. So like Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't think I have anything for that track. I don't know. Is it the specials or something? Is that no sounds familiar but i I don't i can't place it so we know that we've got maybe 52 then you two or maybe we have new year's eve then new year's day yeah we need that fourth clue i'm afraid i think you need the fourth clue or do you want to listen to any of those over again i think maybe we hear the fourth clue and see if we can piece it together all right let's hear clue number four. Oh, because yeah that's it then right we'd have to protect so yeah okay yeah, yeah i don't have enough let's clue see. four yeah Someone to make reports to tell me how my money's spent to cook my stays and draw my plans. So I can't tell what's really there. And all I need is a great big congratulations. All right, Chris is shaking his head. I know what track that's uh, Congratulations by MGMT. It was supposed to be a great track for when you guys got that, Kristen, right? <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> uh, so I think maybe Congratulations is also the album title. I was thinking maybe it had to do with album titles. But uh, if we've got New Year's Day. With, yeah, U2 New Year's Day. something Is it a phrase that ends in Congratulations? I think maybe you guys should listen to track three and try to see if you recognize the band okay here's clue three is it joy division that's not it was a little bit of a deep cut but i thought uh all right do you guys want to hear the the songs and bands yeah, yeah, I think so. It. Yeah. All right, track number one is a song I like quite a bit called Los Angeles by the band X. Oh. And then a track number okay. two, New Year's Day by U2. Okay, got that one. <laughs> uh, track number three was Harbor Coat by R.E.M. Oh, whoa, that's a, that does not sound like them, though. That's early R.E.M. is when they were really good. Yeah. <laughs> and then track four, Congratulations by MGMT. 
These are all bands adding one character okay. per clue. Okay. X, U2, REM, MGMT. And these are um, acronyms <laughs> or initialisms. Also, we've maybe accepted a Red Red Wine by UB40. work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Better luck next time. Round three. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. We can bring it. It's going to be all right. Come on, Chris. Got this. I got to say, before we get into round three, I did want (laughs) to point out that New Year's Day is a little bit of a nod to uh, 200 cigarettes. All right. uh, Very clever. (laughs) Well done. Well done, Caleb. (laughs) Round three, clue win. Let's hear it. Wake up, Chris. It's round three. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was uh, on a boat in the river somewhere. I think that was... uh, Simon and Garfunkel, yeah? I'm going to say Simon and Garfunkel. Maybe Bleecker Street? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I I think that's right. Right. I don't know the the name of the song, but I think it's... it's, I heard Bleecker Street in there, and I feel like that's something they would talk about. Yeah. All right. Let's hear uh, clue two. You watch me down for ten straight With the doctor to me After thoughts of the grave Home of the brave and of the weak Okay, these are um, uh, subway stops. That was uh, 14th Street. Uh, these are subway stops going north in Manhattan. From south to north in From Manhattan. South to north in Manhattan. <laughs> so um, maybe we're going to hear... Um, Another that? Simon and Garfunkel song <laughs> for Clue 4, 59th Street Bridge song. I don't know. Is it going to be... Is this what's, What subway line are we on? Are we on the Bleecker, which is that J? The M? Bleecker Street. Is that the... In QR, is that a four or five? Something no. Union, Union Square, maybe? You guys might be getting a little too specific. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are these just streets going north in Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Possibly, yeah. Okay. Should we hear clue three? Let's hear it. Clue three. Right, that sounds like it's Ramones, the Ramones with Fifty Third and Three, Fifty Nine and Third. Is that what they were saying? Something. Fifty Third and Third. Fifty Third and Third. Okay, so selling T-shirts. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess across 110th Street, Bobby Womack. Sounds, That's my guess. I like that. All I'll right. uh, I'll ride on that boat with you. These are streets, street names in Manhattan going north. Going north. Here's clue four. Spotted. Well Good spotted. Good job, guys. Those yeah. Are, we are moving uh, north, south to north in Manhattan, uh, referencing the streets in the song titles, actually. Yeah. That was, so uh, what do we uh, What do we win? A couple <laughs> slices of pizza? That was Bleecker Street by Simon and Garfunkel, uh, early Simon and Garfunkel, and then 14th Street by Rufus Wainwright. 
Rufus Wainwright. Uh, mm. 53rd and 3rd by the Ramones off of the same debut album and Across 110th Street by Bobby Womack. Very good. Good job. We started in the East Village and then we, we almost got to the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Caleb, for another edition of Supergroup. Yeah, yeah that was great. For Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we do have to get back to the 200 Cigarettes soundtrack. Are you guys ready to jump back in? I'm ah, ready. Very ready. Right. Coming back in on track number 10, this is Joe Jackson with It's Different for Girls. Then again, don't end up on the shelf. That's uh, a very 80s sound that, uh, I guess that song was like a pretty big hit in the 80s, but I, you never hear it anymore. There was a couple of Joe Jackson songs that you hear a lot, but he was like a huge star at the time, and I feel like it's kind of completely forgotten now. Yeah. Um, but this sound kind of reminds me of like XTC and a bunch of like kind of quirky, like uh, British new wave pop bands that that are a little peculiar but i like i like the song quite a bit actually yeah they had their moment in time but you're, you're very right that sound didn't stick around and it didn't really stick in the united states yeah um that being said, uh what what was joe jackson's like big hits stepping out is a big one by him um oh oh wait we'll come back to that in a sec put a pen in that <laughs> looks like we have some breaking news gentlemen thank god <laughs> This just in from Spin Magazine. Van Morrison prepares for a legal battle against Northern Ireland over a live music ban because suing the Department of Health for keeping people safe is always a good idea. <laughs> God. So uh, Van Morrison is not a fan of the uh, COVID-19 lockdown. He's written songs about it that we've talked about in detail on track listing, and uh, he's put out strongly worded statements, and it seems like he's trying really hard to be the leader of the former celebrities going viral, pun intended, for doing something <laughs> stupid uh, during the pandemic. Now he is suing the Department of Health in Northern Ireland to the list of uh, dumb anti-lockdown things that he's done. You know, I'm so um, ashamed of the way uh, Americans have acted during this pandemic, but it brings me a little bit of joy to see people across the pond being just as stupid. You I know? Mean, music, oh. music venues are shut down, you know, all across the board, uh, meaning that people can't go see incredible acts uh, worth risking their lives for, like uh, Bow Wow and Vanilla Ice. And another growing list of people that are uh, completely anti. So you can see Vanilla Ice. He performed at uh, Trump's Christmas market. Yeah, yeah, he played at Mar-a-Lago. Wild. Mar-a-Lago. There he is. Jesus Christ. Is, uh, I'm still astounded by this colonial brainwashing that we're all still uh, subject to. Where I think of like you're like, oh yeah, England. It's like yeah, sure they have like the National Health Service and everything, but uh. It's with Brexit and with everything that's going on with the lockdown, you're like, these dumb motherfuckers, they're the same as us. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the brown-eyed the, girl... They came over here on a boat and they infected our, us with their stupid bullshit. 
it's all the same. <laughs> Maybe the brown eyed girl was named Karen all along. Oh, Pre written. Thank you, Spin Magazine, for the uh, excellent reporting. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for that, Nick. Van Morrison, try to stay on the right side of history on this one. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, he's. You That's know, not gonna happen. I love pick your battles. I love Van Morrison's music. I love uh, the stuff he did with them, and then a lot of his solo work. And it's just a shame that he passed away. Like, what has it been? Twenty five years? Yeah, yeah. Mm. He passed away, but you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, his, his legacy ended in uh, in nineteen ninety eight. Just. <laughs> He doesn't get to dress like a, a weird uh, gangster with a pinstripe <laughs> suit and uh, become that, obsessed with Jesus. It was, there was that fairy that was, uh, was Eric Clapton and Van Morrison and Morrissey, and they all went down at the same time. It was so sad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. At so, least we still have the music. That's yeah. true. Bullshit celebrity <laughs> blues. <laughs> but yeah, getting back to uh, Joe Jackson on the uh, 200 cigarettes. Uh, the track that I was thinking of is, is she really going is out with really him? Is she really going out yeah. with him? Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Watching some of these scenes in this movie of uh, seeing crowded bars in New York City kind of had me with mixed feelings. You know, I kind of miss it to a certain degree, but having to squeeze past people and uh, try to yell at the bartender to get a drink, you know, I was like, I don't really miss that. that yeah. Much. Yeah. I <laughs> I think Caleb's kind of right. It's like I'm looking back on it with like rose colored glasses, like, oh, I just want to go to a bar and oh, oh, I yeah. just want to pay. Twelve dollars for a beer, and oh, I just want to like not be able to get a single drink uh, all night, and then throw a menu at a bartender because they're ignoring me. It's like I took I took for granted those years and years that I was just spending hours and hours on the subway every day, back and forth between here and Manhattan. Oh, if I could just have it back, if I could just pass out on the subway and miss my stop and end up in Far Rockaway. Oh, I miss oh. it. We Come out it, and we play took it for it. Uh, I I do have to say that I share a little bit of uh, I feel like a little bit of kinship with Joe Jackson, and that um, sometimes. So for a while, when you would Google my name, uh, there was like certain like websites that would post articles that would have my artwork alongside another uh, person's artwork who's also named Caleb Brown. Yeah, I've I've seen uh, work of the graphic artist in New York City, Caleb Brown. Well, I somebody like sent me a message because they uh, left a restaurant without paying. And they're like, hey, I found your website. You like didn't pay, and I was like, uh, oh, wrong, Caleb Brown. <laughs> I paid. <laughs> Classic move. Uh, but yeah, Joe Jackson, I think, is, has been overshadowed a little bit by, by Michael's dad. Oh, Michael's dad. A real Disney monster. <laughs> you guys want to jump into track 11? Let's do, Let's it. do it. This is B-Movie with Nowhere Girl. Nowhere Girl, you stay behind the Did I hear the guitar stabs in that song are like exactly the same as um, that Flock of Seagulls song, I Ran? Yeah. Same producer, I'm sure. This is like uh, one of the few tracks on the soundtrack that I'm not familiar with, uh, the Mm -hmm. song or the band. Mm -hmm. Um, Very 80s and not that great. I don't know. 
Yeah, I I would really have loved to have gone to like a New York '80s bar with lights on the ground and danced to like New Order uh, oh, yeah. and just like back when people really danced <laughs> like no one was dancing with the like with other people they were all just like dancing in their own little like <laughs> squares i guess it took like uh black people to really teach white people how to dance <laughs> over the years and like wasn't until like things really got integrated that people dance with each other in a better way i don't know but, yeah i don't think we know too much about the band b movie but uh i do know they were signed to the same label as the ramones which was sire records mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think had a pretty short career. But somehow, thanks to uh, Randall Poster, the uh, music supervisor for 200 Cigarettes, who I would say did a pretty fantastic job yeah. in assembling all this music. There's also a ton of music in the movie that didn't make it onto the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's like <laughs> hundreds of songs in the movie, and maybe that's why uh, the movie's so hard to find anywhere. I feel like there's a Jerry Seinfeld joke in here somewhere, but <laughs> I'm too like out of it to make it. <laughs> Wait, what? B movie. <laughs> Be moving, I'm a bee. <laughs> Who are these people? But <laughs> Yeah, where's the joke? Where's the, uh, I just remember it's like Seinfeld like retired from public life basically for a long time, and then it was kind of like big news that he was coming back uh, for an animated film, mm-hmm. and then it came out later. I think after people were like, that movie was okay. And it's like, yeah, he went in to pitch it, and he just had. The joke was the title is B movie and it's about bees. It's a B movie and it'll be a B movie. B minus. Like okay, well, let's get a hundred people work on this for like three years. Oh man, (laughs) Jerry's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, yeah, he's doing fine. Each time he performs at the Beacon, you know, it's just millions of dollars. (laughs) It's pretty wild. Uh, some of the other music uh, in this movie, there's a Grace Jones cover. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It's a jam, and it's got a similar vibe to it's this. It's a Roxy Music song. Roxy Music song. Uh, Love is a drug. I'd never heard that version before. And Grace Jones, I know uh, Kayla's a big fan of some of her music, but man, that song's a jam. I yeah, was like, yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but, ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's pretty. And she, she's done a ton of covers, too. I think that was kind of like a, her jam for a little bit, taking these like uh, new wave songs and making them into like eerie dance hall versions <laughs> yeah yeah um we've got uh, uh another one bites the dust by queen mm-hmm. is in this um yeah i heard like a buzzcock song in one of the dicey bars i was like ooh, yeah betty davis eyes oh yeah that's yeah, yeah. uh you know you can look at what you're supposed to i don't know if you're supposed to know but you can look up what the number one song was uh the day you were born yeah and it was Petty Davis eyes for me. Nice. And it's it's a pretty good song. Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, uh, Roy Thomas Baker, who was uh, best known for uh, producing Bohemian Rhapsody and a bunch of other Queen music, is mm-hmm. actually the person who produced the Cars song that we heard on the soundtrack earlier. Well, all right. Yeah. So it all connects in the soundtrack world. <laughs> How are you guys feeling about track twelve? Uh, this is uh, a good one. Yeah. Let's listen to it. Speaking of Roxy Music, this is Roxy Music with more than this.
it's kind of i think maybe an uncool opinion but uh i have a bunch of roxy music records and um i think that you know music nerds will look back at the years when brian eno was a big part of their uh creative output as kind of like the important records or whatever but this <laughs> this will always be my favorite roxy music record and song this, and it's uh yeah. it's probably their cheesiest most polished i think it was their last album yeah this is from avalon right yeah yeah avalon was their last studio album they didn't have too many and uh it's kind of kind of got a terrible album cover (laughs) i know that this song was repopularized in uh sofia coppola's 2003 film that we've uh reviewed on this podcast lost in translation Mm -hmm. yeah we'll karaoke um, song yeah, yeah the karaoke song and uh, you can also hear this song in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It's a, a playable song on the radio station Emotion 98.3. Oh, <laughs> classic. I remember hearing that early on when I was a kid. Oh, this song is, is perfect. It's a great song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to dunk on you just for lols. Uh, <laughs> but no, you should be ashamed of enjoying the song. I think it's really good. Well, I don't think anybody should. Say, I'm just saying no, you that. you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. That's what you know, is also the New York Sorry. Times crossword. You know, it's one of their favorite oh, yeah. uh, three letters. Crossword king will yeah. never die. Yeah, Eno. Yeah, ambient, uh, ambient king of music. Yeah. Asai Morales. Yeah. Um, this song is playing uh, when we find out that, spoiler alert, Paul Rudd and Courtney Love end up together. Um, yeah. That's like, a, in my opinion, in this movie, that's kind of the most consequential and interesting thread. Yeah, they're they're basically the Rachel and Ross uh, of the Friends world. It's like this movie's about a lot of people, but it's really about these two, you know. And they they kind of um, yeah. sort of guide the direction and the the emotion of the rest of the film. I think. And Dave Chappelle, the cab driver, is kind of the connective tissue between all these different characters. <laughs> yeah, he's literally connecting people by driving them. And in the end, he has. The, we'll talk about it, but he's he's the Polaroid a- thing. He's like, yeah. And who was this crazy broad at the party? He's and kind like, of like the Jimmy. He's like the Jimmy <laughs> Cricket of the story, except for he he fucks one of the characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, this is also the part where we kind of learn um, how this movie gets its name because uh, Paul Rudd sort of you know smoking after sex, and he's like, and in a way, we're all kind of like a cigarette. <laughs> like love is a cigarette. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) he basically says like people hide behind cigarettes uh like hide their emotion behind cigarettes which doesn't really mean anything to me i was like i don't i don't think so that's probably not correct uh but then um like oh i guess the movie is called 200 cigarettes for this i don't know i guess it's you know i think that it, it would be impossible to get a movie made now called anything to do with cigarettes and uh God, who knows? Maybe that has something to do with the streaming <laughs> problems. Uh, but it is like, it did remind me of how miserable it was when you could smoke in bars and how terrible you would like feel and smell. And it was just, an, I can't, I'm so glad that I never lived in New York City during like, like the when time. you could smoke indoors. Man, I lived, okay, so I lived in Fort Worth and even after I left, it still took, I think, six months for them to get a smoking ban. Um, and that was in 2015. I think it was the largest city in the United States without an indoor smoking ban. Houston kind of um, came around a little earlier than that. But, you know, growing up, going to restaurants, I definitely remember, you know, the server would ask you if you want to sit in the smoking section or the non-smoking section. And the non-smoking section was always some weird room <laughs> in the back. <laughs> yeah. and the, I'll get you back here. Yeah. Man. Uh, yeah. Think about it this way. 
until about 1990, if you were to walk into somebody's home and light up a cigarette, <laughs> um, they would be an asshole for not offering you an ashtray. <laughs> that, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's how much it's like different. Yeah. You just walk in and just like spark up and be like, yeah. And then like Nick didn't offer me an ashtray. And I was like, what am I supposed to ash on your carpet? Like unbelievable. Dude, Texas. <laughs> I, remember, true, I remember being in Texas. I think maybe it was like the last month before they changed the law. And it was still legal to drink in a car as long as you weren't behind the wheel. I agree with that. It's like, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think you could, like, for a while, you could drink while behind the wheel as long as the, you know, the, the cup had a lid on it. <laughs> you could still drink on a horse. That's still legal to drink uh, drink while operating a horse. <laughs> you guys want to hear track number 13? Let's do it. This is Dire Straits with Romeo and Juliet. You shouldn't come around here singing up at people like that. What you gonna do about it? Juliet, the dice was loaded from the start And I bet many you exploded into my heart And I forget, I forget the movie song When you're gonna realize it was just that the time was wrong Yeah, man, Dire Straits, hearing from uh, them once again. We've talked about them on Empire Records. We've talked about them on Can't Hardly Wait, our first episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, that song's also been in Hot Fuzz and also I, Tanya, which has a great soundtrack that we should get to. It's like uh, hilariously used in, in uh, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, this is a great song, man. Uh, dire Straits are like 80s dad rock, but I don't care. I fucking love Dire Straits. Yeah, Mark, Mark Knopfler, he's got that like uh, trademark... You know, he's kind of like a master finger style acoustic guitar player. And uh, I think maybe this song is, uh, you know, one of the most famous songs that makes use of the uh, the dobro guitar. And uh, you can really hear that and it sounds great. Nothing but good things to say about Mark Knopfler. Yeah. This song is uh, playing while Casey Affleck and Kate Hudson are kind of strolling by um, uh, the two bridges, Manhattan and um, Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. they've ended up together and they're like, I love you. <laughs> and then Kate's kind of, you know, she ditched Jay Moore, who was a real big, <laughs> real big narcissistic piece of crap in this movie, <laughs> which Jay Moore plays that well. You know, okay, so the, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Kate Hudson, Jay Moore story. Uh, maybe you guys have a different opinion about it, but it's the broadest probably of the storylines is that it's like a lot of slapstick and as much as like, I think it's kind of nice that it kind of slowly, you realize that Jay Moore is a dick, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's like overshadowed for so long about how like, insanely <laughs> Hudson is like a psychopath and that she, it's like, she has to be doing this on purpose. This, nobody could, nobody would actually be doing this. Yeah. She like, she breaks a lamp in a bar while they're playing pool and then she spills a drink on the pool table and then she um, like knocks over a, a, like a, a big serving cart in the Indian restaurant. But and she then, also can't even like finish a sentence without something awkward and like a question. It's like chips her tooth spills wine on herself <laughs> lipstick falls in dog shit it's like, like she's a, a hot she's, mess she's a nightmare person to yeah. be around a nightmare person to be around and then uh and the thing about jay so moore can you be that mad at jay moore jay moore his his biggest character flaw 
is that he's convinced that everybody he sleeps with falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see who you are now, you dipshit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, he sleeps with, I mean, a teenager, but she falls in love with him. So, Christina Ricci. We have to mm-hmm. at least assume, like, I think the he might be continues. right about. <laughs> he's conceited, but he's not wrong. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, every girl says, you know, I think I love you. And he's like, oh, boy, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I think uh, Casey and Kate uh, end up as a pretty good couple for each other. I think they're both... Um, Two New York dum-dums. Yeah, just hopeless romantics. Yeah, they're going to get I kind of had a crush on Casey Affleck in this movie. He looks great. <laughs> you think yeah, so? It's great style. Got the eyeliner. He looks yeah. older than Ben, which is wild. <laughs> he he kind of looks like a young uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. Okay. He's kind of got that look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's probably doing what Billy Joe Armstrong was doing when he was 16. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, this song's great. Uh, also, Indigo Girls has a very good cover of this song. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. that. It was yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah, it's a great, great I, yeah. I don't know if the song needs to be covered that much, though. I mean, it's like... Uh, it's pretty timeless, and also Mark Knopfler is like a great guitar player, so I don't... Yeah, he's got like a DVD that I was watching this week. <laughs> it's with uh, Emmylou Harris. Oh, yeah. And uh, he performs this song on that DVD. Yeah, because they did, they did like the duets like album or something. And like, gotta say, like it's really, really good. You know, I'm not moved by <laughs> that much these days. And uh, watching that, I was like, this is fantastic. Oh, that's good. In the extended version, uh, Girls Against Boys do a pretty great. Is this the second uh, Shakespeare reference so far in this episode? It is. It that's is. Right. The Cruel to be kind. Uh, there's, there's one more coming, I'm sure. Do we hear track 14? Let's do it. This is Elvis Costello in the attractions with What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. lot of connections here Elvis mm-hmm. Costello yeah this was a uh, as we mentioned before this was a uh, track that was produced by Nick Lowe uh, written and produced I think that he cut a version first his version I remember uh, listening to an interview and he was talking about it that it's his version I think it's more clear it was written in character it's kind of like a satirical thing about like an old hippie being like hey what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? But it's like the 80s, so like, hey, fuck you, man. Get out of my way. <laughs> and then uh, Elvis Costello did like a much more kind of straightforward version uh, that was uh, a much bigger hit. But this is a great song. Also a connection to uh, Lost in Translation. Isn't this another one of the, the karaoke songs? I don't know. Maybe I'm Maybe making Sophia up. Coppola was, uh, you know, a little influenced by this film. <laughs> Cribbin. <laughs> Cribbin. She was a big cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. And there's another Costello song in the movie that didn't make it onto the soundtrack. Yeah. Pump It Up uh, shows up earlier in the film, I think. And yeah. uh, we should also say that Elvis Costello shows up in the film. He's in this movie. He's at the party. Yeah. Blackout he, drunk. And there's a tiny little cameo where... Yeah, total creep. He, uh, he shoves by <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Paul Rudd. He's like, excuse me. <laughs> and walks by and you're like... Is that 
Ja, de ska stå. Ja, ja. Yeah, yeah, they keep calling him a, um, a, a, like a necrophiliac. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Dave, yeah. It's, yeah he's... Uh, I think we're supposed to understand... So this song is playing uh, at towards the end of the film. As they're all arriving at the party. All the characters They were, all end up at Martha Plimpton's New Year's Eve party. At the same party. party. Yeah, yeah. People finally came. People finally came. Which yeah. is, I gotta say, her apartment is a great apartment for a party. That's like some real like early Williamsburg loft apartment. Yeah, it, that apartment is huge. And she it's doesn't say Yeah, I was having weird flashbacks watching this movie a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but so the music is playing and then everybody falls and then it's like you see the photos from the night and Elvis Costello is um, eating the dip and, and dancing around with her, the passed out host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the signature crab dip. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Gross. 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 Was that a thing in the 80s that <laughs> fell off? Yeah, I mean, there was like these leftover sort of like 50s housewife cooking books that still, like, you know, like those like weird jello things? <laughs> jello cakes? Jello cakes that, that like became synonymous with like, my aunt's bringing over her like jello cake. Like, yeah. <laughs> that sort of, I think that was well into the 80s of like, like bad uh, party food that was. It is true. Made. Like, even in New York City, a lot of people hadn't heard about good food yet mm-hmm. i think that's one of the unappreciated kind of evolutions of the world due to the internet is that now the entire world knows that they've been eating bad food for generations because <laughs> you can just be like oh yeah why didn't we just do it that way <laughs> yeah you can just learn the correct <laughs> way to prepare food <laughs> uh so i got two things to say kind of about this part of the movie uh one is that i think i read that elvis costello was performing in new york city um, New Year's Eve 1981. With the attractions. With the attractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is that uh, even in 1981, I gotta believe that narratively, most of the interesting stuff on New Year's Eve happens after midnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of gearing up where it's like, I can't, re- I don't think I've ever had a New Year's where anything interesting happened before midnight. I kind of understand like why they did it and it's like kind of cool, but then it turns into like a you know, like the hangover where it's like, <laughs> yeah, all those Polaroids. It's the uh, SNL sketch with Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett, where he's just <laughs> trying to get that midnight kiss, Gotta man. Get that kiss. Gotta get that kiss. Uh, I mean, can we admit here and now that new year's Eve sucks and that yeah. it's the most pressure to have fun, um, than any other <laughs> night of the year. And then like in New York, especially it's like, Okay, you can come to this place and you have to pay $100 and then you feel beholden to that place because you don't want to leave because you paid $100, but you get a glass of champagne. I definitely... Like, it's bad. I, I, got, it's bad. I got scarred by, uh, by years of living single in New York City and just being like stuck in Manhattan and not being able to get a cab anywhere and just like, yeah. And after a while, you're like, I'm going to go one place. Yeah. I'm not leaving Brooklyn. I'm going to go to one place and I'm not going to leave until like three in the morning or something. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty bad. Shout out to our friend, uh, Paul Kadish for hosting some fantastic oh, New yeah. Year's parties over yeah. the years. Yeah. 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 Where Shout we would watch Paul. like old countdown videos from years past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hopefully we can get together maybe this New Year's and, uh, have a party in a loft in Brooklyn somewhere and eat crab dip and, uh, <laughs> Badger Elvis Costello. Maybe Elvis Costello will show up. Man, if Elvis Costello showed up to a New Year's Eve party, I think I would like corner him and be like, I respect you, man. 
respect you. You're uh, hey, like you have done so many great things. <laughs> Just like not. I love alone. you. I love, I love you. you. Oh, here we go. What if Elvis <laughs> Costello showed up and he inexplicably looked twenty years older? Mm. You're like, ooh, Elvis. <laughs> uh, the road has been hard on you, Elvis. <laughs> You guys want to hear track 15? Yeah, let's do it. This is the last track on the soundtrack. Surprisingly, this is Blondie featuring Coolio in the Loud All-Stars with Blondie Medley, Rapture, Maria, No Exit, the Loud All-Star Rock Remix. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so this is happening during the uh, during the credits. There's like a couple mm-hmm. of Blondie songs that uh, they kind of like blend together, and then it goes into this for no reason. Yeah, and it's like uh, when you're watching the credits, you're kind of like, oh, like I don't I don't know why this Coolio song's on here, but whatever. Uh, how crazy is it that they just put that on the soundtrack? They're just trying to like be modern and edgy, maybe. <laughs> I guess. I've never seen anything like it before. I don't understand. I mean, it demands an explanation. <laughs> Blondie has always had like an interesting relationship with rap yeah. because uh, Rapture has that like, <laughs> get in the car, Mars, to cars to Mars, in the candy bars. <laughs> like, I think the, <laughs> the worst rap ever. The Rapture yeah. is the first American number one with rap rapping song. in it. That's correct. Um, and it's one of the worst rap songs ever. But, <laughs> but it's a great song. In a strange way, she's a rap pioneer. <laughs> and like, no well, one would have expected. I will say uh, that the early 80s in Lower East Side, that was kind of like the two interesting um, like music things going on was punk new wave and hip hop was yeah. first starting to show up. Mm-hmm. And in that time it was like these these people were interested in interesting music and everything you know they were all hanging out together and it was all kind of like in a way that you know maybe now those two genres we don't think of them being too separate like pop music and and indie music and hip-hop but at you know there was probably decades where they couldn't be like more divorced but at the beginning they were there it was all next to each other yeah yeah it's very true very true ah but that rapping is so bad yeah Blondie, what happened? Blondie, what happened? (laughs) But you know, everything's getting summed up uh, in that Polaroid scene, uh, and this song kicks in towards the end of it. Um, I will say, Janine Garofalo is supposed to have a bit of, um, I guess, retribution or something that she hooks up with Elvis Costello. Yeah, and she, I mean, like, and she seems excited about it. So you're, you're like, oh, great, but then you're like gross <laughs> like poor Janine Garofalo uh, uh, I guess we're supposed to be excited for that you got um, some well, sweet well, it was, it Elvis was, Costello it was dick to be, you know <laughs> young Elvis Costello I know <laughs> and also but the, like the weird Good thing for about her, it I guess I don't you, know you, like you kind of hear Elvis Costello and it's clear that he blacked out because he was like where am I yeah. <laughs> it's like oh did you rape Elvis Costello <laughs> yeah. well everybody that wakes up next to each other <laughs> No one remembers what happens, and everyone's like, sweet. Everyone's like, what? Ha- 
Oh, do you nice. think it was uh, Martha Plimpton in the Punch Bowl? There was like a little bit of like, oh, for, maybe. forget me now. Look, it was the eighties, man. It's a different. Forget time. me nots. Yeah. <laughs> some of that, uh, that big package. The forget like, me garlic knots. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, maybe Casey Affleck Casey just Affleck dumped like, that, <laughs> sprinkled a little fairy dust into yeah. the uh, Punch oh, Bowl. A little Christmas cheer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, gentlemen, that hey. is the soundtrack All right. to 200 Cigarettes. And now we do have to move on. We do have to uh, rate and review. As, as is our tradition, Chris will lead off. I am going to ask you for your most favorite, least favorite tracks. And uh, I think this week we agreed to rate in hundreds of cigarettes. Hundreds of cigarettes. Hundreds of cigarettes. So out One of a possible... One to 1,500 Out of a possible 1,500 cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> And I, I must be clear that the lowest score would be zero hundred. Zero hundred cigarettes. <laughs> okay. Um, and just so uh, the, the listeners know, I found out through research uh, that uh, 200 cigarettes is in reference to a carton of cigarettes, which is 10 packs, 20, 20 cigarettes 20 in a pack. 20 cigarettes in a pack. So, yeah. Zero hundred... <laughs> favorite track, least favorite track. I'll start with that. Uh, favorite track. I love "Just What I Needed" by the Cars. I think that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Romeo Juliet. More than this, get honorable mentions, but I still think uh, "Just What I Needed" by the Cars. Least favorite track. Um, I unfortunately have to uh, have to dog on "Girls Against Boys," the Boogie Wonderland. Oh. That's that's fair. I don't agree with it, but it's fair. I, well, only because um, almost every other tra- maybe it's different for girls by Joe Jackson. I also just don't really care for that song. But um, Boogie Wonderland, you know, it's a it's a great Earth Wind Fire track, and I think like just to hear it a little punked up, you're like, eh, <laughs> get it. It, it. it also seems like the uh, uh, it makes the least sense on this soundtrack. Even though I know, I mean, you know, it was the punk place where Gabby Hoffman was freaking out. Um, since there was Gabby Hoffman Curly Sue was that the no no she was an Uncle Buck oh, okay okay uh, um, yeah I remember she, she was uh Uncle Buck well she was she was that uh great, that great yeah. movie that I had Pep- that movie the Pepsi girl with uh, Ray Charles's voice right no no <laughs> <laughs> that was the girl from Polly which has <laughs> Jay Moore in it uh, <laughs> all connects zero hundred cigarettes to fifteen hundred cigarettes uh, I'm this is one of the better soundtracks I've listened to in a long time. I love this era of music. Um, I love some of these songs on here. I'm going to give this 1,470 cigarettes. Very <laughs> so good. A 4, 14.07. Okay. <laughs> 14.07. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Very granular. Very good, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Like Nikki. that you weren't quite sure on how to score oh, wait, that. Wait, no, no. 14, <laughs> excuse me. 14. I'm going to say uh, 14. <laughs> Sorry. Great job. God Great damn job. It. <laughs> too late. We locked it in. It's too late. We sent it into the uh, accountants. Nikki, how do you feel? Let's start off with favorite and least favorite track. Uh, favorite track is such a difficult decision for me on this one. It's a toss-up between Roxy Music, More Than This, and Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet. Both fantastic songs. I think I think I'm going to have to go with track number 12, Roxy Music, More Than This. It's my favorite track on the soundtrack. Nice. And least favorite. 
It's going to have to be track number 15, uh, Blondie featuring Coolio and the Loud All-Stars. But that's also got Maria on it, so you can't, uh, you know what I mean? You oh, can't sink that whole ship. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, what a track. And then overall, you know, I thought the movie was great. Um, it's unfortunate that it's so difficult to find the soundtrack <laughs> and the yeah. and the film anywhere. Uh yeah, the CD and the DVD is both going for around two hundred eighty to three hundred dollars on eBay, <laughs> which is pretty insane. So hopefully they figure out licensing and can bring this back to the masses because it would, I think, definitely get a bump in popularity. And uh, a lot of great shout outs to New York City landmarks in the movie. They go to like those two Indian restaurants on First Ave oh, right yeah. next yeah. to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also um, a couple of shout-outs that my uh, lovely wife, Allison, pointed out to me that I didn't know about. There's um, shout-outs to Shadow Man, the New York City street artist that was kind of a, uh, a pre-Banksy. And um, it's kind of like these shadowy figures that he would put around and people would be walking home in East Village and they would think that they saw a person and it was just kind of this like shadowy uh, pasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think... Uh, she was telling me that one of the only places that one is still left uh, is at the Patagonia store on Houston, like uh, by the bathrooms. What a sellout, man. For some reason, it's just still hanging out. And no, no one knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this like thing. People are like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. I thought that was a person. I think your advertisement got ripped away. <laughs> yeah. uh, but on a scale of uh, 0, 200 to 15. <laughs> Hundred. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give this soundtrack fourteen hundred cigarettes. All right. Uh, thank you, Nikki. Uh, thank you, Nikki. Yeah, this is this is a very comprehensive soundtrack. I I do. I got to ding it a little bit for there's you know these are all new wave classics. They've had uh you know they literally had twenty years to try to figure out what was the best '80s music to fit in. Uh, I think my favorite has to be more than this. Um, I think that just what I needed, um, that first Cars record is probably my favorite album that has a cut on here. Uh, But as far as just a pure song, I think that more than this is something I still listen to all the time and love. Uh, I guess, yeah, maybe this is a little bit of a cop out, but I got to go Coolio No Exit (laughs) for least favorite. And to be to be fair, it might actually drag down the other two tracks enough to. <laughs> it's true. It's pretty bad. It's a net negative. <laughs> <laughs> net negative. Uh, so out of a possible fifteen hundred cigarettes, I will give this twelve hundred and eighty-five cigarettes. All right. Okay. All it's right. It's a great compilation. Not a bunch of surprises. Uh, I think uh, the only like new tracks would be the covers that. Uh, one of them we liked and one of them uh, Chris didn't like, so can't give it that much. Par but. for the course. Yeah. Anyways, before we go, we do have to add a song to the playlist, our favorite smoking song, or one of our favorite smoking songs. Uh, do you guys want me to lead off? Sure. Please do. All right. My track is like a little bit of a weirdo, uh, but it's a song that, it's from 2014, a song that I've been listening to on and off for the past, you know, six, seven years, and... A uh, song I've been listening to actually lately. It's uh, there's apparently this is a, a guy I don't know much about. He's a French uh, DJ and producer. Goes by the name Golden Bug. Uh, this is a track featuring Lady Maru. It's called Fax Flipper and Cigarettes. We could cigarettes are burning and dying. We could cigarettes are random. 
So it's just kind of a little bit of a weirdo electro dance track um, with some kind of confusing uh, vocals on top and some psychedelic guitar. And uh, I just I just find myself getting down to this song all the time. And uh, it's great to have an opportunity to play it on the podcast. Hey, Very nice. Looks a jam. Nice and man. it is. Uh, I think I saw <laughs> the YouTube video that I ripped it from had like 400 views or something. So it's a deep cut, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. And that's why you listen to track listing. Discover <laughs> yeah. new music. Yeah. All right, who wants to go next? I've got a track pulled up here for us. This is from 1968. This is from the album Bookends. This is Simon and Garfunkel with America. Toss me a cigarette, I think there's one in my raincoat. We smoked the last one an hour ago. So I looked at the scenery She read her magazine And the moon rose over an open field Yeah, great song. Also, the song is featured in the soundtrack to Almost Famous. Nice. Maybe we'll get to this year. And uh, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel talked about them earlier in the episode. Uh, kind of the some of the original hipsters, <laughs> <laughs> very twee, yeah, you know, turtleneck wearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were probably raging in the Lower East Side on, on New Year's nineteen sixty five or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this album. Love this song. Yeah, I remember yeah. there's a a live version um, for there was like a nine eleven like fundraiser concert with a bunch of first responders and their families. And David Bowie comes out and he's got this tiny little toy piano and he's just playing. He does a cover of this with a little toy piano and it's really, really good. Nice. And a bunch of drunken firefighters. It's like, yeah. I'm going to check that out. I never saw that. <laughs> nice. All right, Chris, what do you got for us? I've got a song. Um, it's by a band and I hope I'm saying their name right. Uh, the Ra- Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Uh, it's by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm kind of cheating. Uh, where there's smoke, <laughs> there's fire. And uh, sure. this is called Play With Fire by the Rolling Stones. Homes of block in St. John's Wood And your father be there with her If he only could But don't play with me Cause you're playing with fire No, I was kind of marveling earlier this week about Keith Richards just trying to figure out how he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a miracle. Yeah, they talk about like it's that um, the Mr. Burns disease when there's like 
too many diseases in your body, <laughs> so they like can't get in the door. It's like the Three Stooges. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, I always I thought that it was more like uh, the picture of Dorian Gray, and he's the painting. <laughs> he's the painting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do love this song. Uh, this is off of um, their fourth studio album, uh, Out of Our Heads. And um, I really fell in love with this song because I saw it in a movie called Shoot the Moon. Have you guys ever seen that? I don't think I have. Diane, sounds familiar. Diane Keaton, Albert Finney. Uh, it's uh, 1982, so it would have come out like when this movie was based. Um, uh, sort of a connection there. But <laughs> it's about like, that movie's about uh, like, I guess when divorce was more of a big deal. <laughs> and it's like, what is a woman going to do now that she's divorced? <laughs> and uh, RoboCop's in it, Peter Weller. And he plays this song, awesome. or they they play this song on the record, and he's like, uh, "Can I kiss you, Diane Keaton?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, <laughs> actually, yeah." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and then the song's playing in the background, and then right. it's like the single, so it ends, and you just hear like the record. But it's a great "Shoot the Moon" is a great movie. The song's a uh, fantastic song. Out of their head, Rolling Stones, check them out. Uh, you guys. <laughs> I like the idea of like, I really want this woman to even like similarly know that I'm bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Can I kiss you? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. A fantastic pick. And uh, thank you guys for listening to uh, the soundtrack to 200 Cigarettes this week. Thanks, Nick. That was a good pick. Yeah, Yeah. great pick, Nick. Fantastic. Hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, hope everyone's staying safe out there. Yeah, we're still celebrating this new year. It's been a rough one already, but uh, <laughs> things are looking up. We got, uh, yeah. This week was pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Hopes. Yeah, yeah, this was all right. <laughs> and uh, I think it's maybe whose pick is it next week? It's Chris's pick. Yeah, baby. I'm excited. Stay tuned, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>